If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to look with me in the Gospel of Luke. And y'all are not going to mind if I take Jackie on the I try. I, I, I try. I try. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 17. Stay for the afternoon service. There'll be more singing. There'll be some more saxophone playing. Who knows what else? Stay with us in the afternoon. find your place there in uh, Luke chapter 17. I want you to see something here. We're going to read verses 11 through 19. Verses 11 through 19. I want you to see something here. A familiar story. Let me point out just a few things here. Again, in verse number 11, it says, It came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But were of the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save or accept this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And I want to uh, draw for, for the text uh, the message, the title of the message and everything. But you, you'll see there that Jesus is going to ask a question in verse number 17. He said, were there not ten cleansed? And, and I want to take that and bring the message today entitled, You're Not the Only One. You're Not the Only One. And I want to, I want to the idea of the message basically is going to give us some things that we can learn from the, the cleansing of the ten lepers. But it's interesting that uh, Jesus looked and he said, were there, there's something more than, than you. See that? I know there was ten, but only one to come back. So we're the nine. You know, Jesus told me, you're not the only one. I, I healed others. They're not here. I think about that in terms of us. Let me just let me let me hit some of before we get into the, the root of the message here. It's pretty interesting, is it not, that there were these ten men and they're lepers, and notice where they are. They're not inside the city because they can't be. Okay? 
say this. If you would go back and, and read the book of Leviticus, you would know why they can't be in the city. Okay? Uh, these were not man's laws, by the way. These were God's laws. God instituted that law, if you read the book of Leviticus. Okay? But the leper is an unclean person, right? And so they've got this uh, disease of leprosy, and what it does is it eats away at their flesh. Okay? And it was very uh, contagious, and they had to be picked with leprosy, could not be in the midst of the city or the village with the other people. They had to be kind of, we might call it quarantine today. I don't know, but uh, they had to be placed out aside from that. So we see that. So we know that, how many of you like being quarantined? I mean, you just love being quarantined. Like, you can't go to work, you can't do nothing, you got to stay cooped up in the house. Uh, no. Don't like it. Don't like it. Uh, imagine this right here, that these people, you know, this was an idea that, okay, they are an outcast because of their condition, what they have. And so when Jesus comes up, uh, notice that they're standing afar off, and they cry out to Jesus. Now, I don't know, uh, can we can we read between the lines? Can we try to draw a picture? Can we say that maybe, do we know that Jesus went to where they were? Like he actually like, went to them? Or can we imagine this possibly being a conversation that's taking place a few feet away? That's maybe six feet apart? I don't know, I'm just saying six feet, I don't know how far apart they were. But I, this is not, because like, if you go back and read, like, when Jesus healed leprosy, like, for instance, Mark chapter 1. You know, remember that story, Mark chapter 1, where he healed the leper, the leper, you know, asked for mercy, and, and Jesus actually touched him. And that guy was healed. Okay. Jesus, I, I don't know if he touched these people. He didn't say he did, because, like, what if Jesus encountered them, you think he'd be welcomed into the, the, the village there? So, that's just, for the sake of trying to put it together and imagine things here, Let's just say that, because I know that they're, they're hollering out, they're crying out with a loud voice uh, to Jesus as he's entering uh, into this uh, uh, village. They're over there on the side, they're cast away, and they're crying out to him. Okay, so Jesus, uh, here's what's so wonderful. He didn't have to go to where they were. He didn't have to physically go to where they were. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I can say more about that. But notice how, if this, is a if this is a conversation where they're crying out to Jesus, have mercy on us, we want to be healed. And maybe, because there's not a lot of interaction going on, I see the response of Jesus. You see what he said? Verse 14. <laughs> so he's walking, he's entering this village, and he hears these voices crying out to him. So he stops, and he looks over to see who's hollering at him. Have you ever had that happen? Like, you're walking somewhere, and, and then the worst thing, you know, like somebody said preacher. You know, I, I forgot, it's been a little while back where I was, there were like five preachers there. Somebody said, hey, preacher. Like, everybody's turned their head, uh, all five of us, you know. But, uh, you know, somebody, you think they call your name, whatever, and you like, they talk to you. Or maybe if you're a mom, somebody says, mom. You know, that kind of thing. You're like, who's, who's that? Who's talking to me? But, no, so Jesus, he's entering this village, and he hears these lepers hollering out, crying out to them. Okay? Now we know that, right? Did y'all read that? I read that. Okay, you see that? So, and, and then the response of Jesus here. In verse 14, when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. Now, remember? Mark chapter 1. The leper said, have mercy on me. Jesus touches him. He doesn't, he doesn't touch these people. I mean, they holler out. He replies back, Go show yourself to the priest. Does anybody know the significance of that? What does that mean? 
I'll tell you something wonderful about that is the fact that, uh, once again, that's not man's law. That was God's law. When a person, uh, go back and read Leviticus, when a person had been uh, afflicted with leprosy, before, are you listening? Before they could be allowed back into the camp with the people, they had to show themselves to the priest who would deem them to be clean and safe again to go back into uh, society. You know what Jesus gave here to these lepers? Remember when I talked about the quarantine? How, I don't know about y'all, I didn't like being quarantined. I don't like being isolated. I don't like being shut off and shut away. I didn't like that. I didn't like when we tried to run two separate services, one from one age bracket, one from the next age bracket. I didn't like that. I didn't like it when we did three weeks of just having uh, only ten people inside of here, the people that were going to be participating in the service. I didn't like that. I don't like isolation. I don't like being put off and put away. I don't like that. You know what Jesus did here? When he told them, listen, he didn't touch them and say, whoa, y'all are clean. No, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And what they did was, and if you'll read through there, you're going to find that it came to pass that as they turned and started walking away, they were healed. They went and showed themselves to the priest because not only was he giving them physical healing, he's giving them emotional healing because they're going to show themselves to the priest and be allowed back into society. Does that make sense? So he goes way beyond just physical healing. He's giving them, he's, he's pointing them back to where they need to go. Go show yourself to the priest. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. So many things we could say in that. But I will say this, okay? If them guys are not like Americans, or at least nine of them, they had something wonderful happen to them. And only one out of the ten came back to thank Jesus and, and praise God and, and to give honor and glory where it was due. Only one out of, the, out of that ten. We live in a country today. Listen, I, I know we got our ups and downs, and I know we're in bad shape, but it's still the greatest country on the face of the earth, and there's nowhere else I'd rather live than right here in the United States of America. I, I don't want to be anywhere else. Okay, this is the greatest country on the face of the earth. And we can look back and see what it used to be and, and what it was. And, and we understand how things have changed and we've kind of went downhill. I know all that and I'm not going to harp on all that. But I'm going to say we ought to be thankful for where we live today. We ought to praise God and thank God that he allowed us to be born Americans. Listen, you weren't born a Russian. You weren't born an Egyptian or, or an Iraqi. You were born uh, an American, the United States of America, and it's still the greatest country on the face of the earth. You ought to thank God for that today. Amen. You ought to. And more so, we ought to be thankful for those who gave their lives so that you and I can be in the greatest country on the face of the earth. Now, all that being said, I want to give you some things here. Now, if you had your bulletin today, some of y'all were thinking, what in the world is the preacher thinking? I knew somebody was thinking. He's got 11 points. He's got 11 points. And it's potluck Sunday. And he gave 11 points. He's not going to get done to 11 or 12, 15. We're going to go as far as we can. And I want to give you some things that we can learn from these lepers. Okay? Uh, this story, this situation, there's some things that we can learn. And I want to go through these. Some of them might be quickly. But I want to give you some things that might would help us. Okay? As we read through this story here, Luke chapter 17, that passage, verses 11 through 19. The first thing I want you to notice, and if you do write in the bulletin, that's wonderful. I, I, I hope you do. Uh, the first thing I notice here is this, that God's mercy 
is for all people. God's mercy is for all people. It matters not your status, whether you're rich or poor, sick or well, a man, woman, a boy or girl, people of all races. God's mercy is for all people. There were ten lepers. They were living in rejection because of their disease, yet God had mercy upon them. Can I tell you something today? You and I, before we got saved by the grace of God, we were no different than these lepers. We were living in a sin-cursed condition. We were eat up with the disease of sin, yet God God had mercy upon us. Listen, uh, we're unclean also. Uh, don't think that you, that you have arrived or you are where you are spiritually and you hit the plateau. Don't think that because we are all nothing but unclean. But in the eyes of God, when we got saved by the grace of God, the blood of Jesus, it cleansed us from all sin. It cleansed us from all sin. It cleansed us from all sin just like these lepers got cleansed by Jesus. When we got saved, dear friend, we got cleansed by the blood of Christ. And I'm thankful for that. God's mercy is for all people. And if you're not saved today, I, I want to invite you. Come to Jesus. Accept him. Receive his mercy and grace upon your life today. Let me give you another one this morning. And it's this. Jesus is there when we cry out to him for his mercy. Jesus is there when we cry out to him for his mercy. Now, I'll go back to the, to, to the passage here. I, I, I see that these men gathered on the outskirts of the village, and they see Jesus coming by, and they cry out to him. They, they holler out to him. They, they couldn't get to where he was, but they cried out to him. Let me say this. Jesus is there when we cry out to him for his mercy, just as that leper. When you go back and read in the Old Testament, you'll, you'll see that they would have to cry out. They would have to cover uh, the top of their lip, and they would have to cry out, unclean, unclean, when somebody was coming in their uh, presence. They would have to make it known that they were unclean, just as that leopard had to cry, unclean, unclean. I want you to know, dear friend, that we too, we too, we need to cry out to God. We need to cry for his mercy. We need to cry for his forgiveness. We need to cry uh, for his grace. His mercy is what lifted me out of the ugliness of sin. I think about David. Remember what he wrote? Uh, he, he said that where he, had, he reached down and, and he picked me up also out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and set my feet upon a solid rock and established my goings. That's what Jesus does. He reaches down into that pit that we were in, and he pulls us out of there, and he puts our feet on a solid rock, and I'm thankful for that. But do you remember where you were, were when you cried out to Jesus? Do you remember the situation of your life, the condition that you might have been in, and yet you thought nobody cared, nobody loved you, nobody wanted to have anything to do with you, you was nothing more than a leper, nobody wanted to be in your presence, but yet you recognized your condition, and you cried out to God, and I'm so glad that when I need mercy in my life, I can cry out to Jesus, and no matter what pit of despair I'm in, he reaches down, dear friend, and he pulls me up out of there. Somebody say amen. A lot of people are living in pits, despair, trouble. I'm glad that I have a God that he's there when I cry out to him for his mercy. Let me give you another one this morning. Let me say this. Jesus delights in bestowing his mercy upon us. He delights in it. Jesus is a compassionate friend. Jesus is full of compassion. Jesus is full of mercy. 
He has compassion. He, he's had compassion. Uh, he, he loves uh, to reach down and help people. Now, if you was to go to Mark chapter 1, I refer to that. You know what he did? The Bible tells us that Jesus saw that man, that leper, that one that he touched, and he had compassion upon him. I, I read over in Psalms. I love reading in Psalms. There's some good things over there. Uh, we've done a few Bible studies from Psalms, and I, and I like that. But you know what the Bible tells me about the Lord? That, that he knows my frame, my physical makeup. It says that he knoweth our frames, and he knows that we are but dust. What does that mean? Listen, God never expects me to live out of any expectations uh, that, that higher than what he would have for me. God knows my weaknesses. God knows my strengths. He knows my failures. And most of all, when I do fail, he knows my frame. He knows that I'm nothing but dust anyway. He knows the only good thing about me is through him. He knows that. Jesus has compassion. He delights in bestowing his mercy upon us. What about us? How compassionate are we? Uh, how, you know, when we see others who are stricken and afflicted with sin in their life, are, are we compassionate upon them? Uh, or do we pray that, that God would reach them and, and, and touch them in a special way? You know, we, we ought to have that mercy and compassion just as Jesus has. We ought to have that in our life. But I'll be honest with you. I know how Baptist people are. I've been one all my life. Uh, we're very good at when somebody trips and falls. Instead of sticking a hand to pick them up, we kick them while they're down. Shame on us. Shame on us. Uh, what, what about God's mercy? In your, where would you be today if not for the grace of God in your life? Where would you be? Would you even be alive today if not for the mercy of God in your life? I'm so glad I can think back in my life time after time after time where God's hand was upon me and his mercy was upon me uh, to bring me to where I am today. I know it was the mercy of God. I know that. I know that. What about you? Are you here today because of God's mercy? Absolutely. God's grace in your life? Yes. Let me give you another one. See, we're moving pretty fast, aren't we? Because I've had people tell me what they made and what, what they brought. And so, yeah. I had somebody text me this morning telling me a story. They heard it in one of my sermons, I think it was. <laughs> so they made one. And they said, hey, you have some over there. I need to start talking about food a little more in my preaching, I think. And uh, but anyway. No, actually, I'm trying to lose weight, okay? So. I'll do what I can, but I'll be as good as I can also. Uh, the next one. There is no delay in his mercy. What are you talking about? Well, when I read through here, I see that they cried out to him in verse 13. In verse 14, when he saw them, he said unto them. Okay, so he answers them. He responds to them with their answer, what they need to do. There's no delay in his mercy. Let me say this. As quickly as we can cry out to him, he already has the answer. Matter of fact, before you ever cry out to him, he already has the answer. Okay? Uh, he already has a solution for the problem. Now, follow the story here because in this instance, the answer that he gave required obedience. The answer that he's going to give them it's going to require obedience on their part. How many times do we pray for God to do something for us? Now listen, don't bow your head. It's not time to pray. How many times do we say, God, do this for me? God said, okay, you need to do this. Oh, does that mean that he's not merciful? No. 
A lot of times in our lives, we forget that blessings do come by obedience. And if we don't obey, we might miss blessings that God has for us. That mean he's not good. Matter of fact, I don't care what you got going on in your life today. The fact that God allowed you to sit on a church pew and hear the gospel one more time is a demonstration of God's mercy in your life today. Amen. Amen. You might, listen, uh, you might have a bad diagnosis from the doctor. You might have financial problems. You might have family problems. But God has mercy in your life to allow you to hear the preaching of the word of God one more time. I say he's a good God. He's a merciful God. And even if he doesn't answer the way I want him to, he says, I love you. I've already got you a home prepared in heaven. All you got to do is follow me and walk the way home. And I want to do that. I'm going to do that. There's no delay in his mercy. But yet... Many times, the response from him requires obedience. Can I say this? Obedience to the Lord always brings blessings. It always does. Let me give you another one. Hey, I think we're at number five. It's this. Jesus, and I'm getting all this from the story that we're, we were reading, okay? Jesus is not a respecter of person, okay? Think about this. How many did he heal? Ten. How many came back to thank him and give him honor and glory? One. He did not heal just the one that he knew he'd be thankful, but he healed all of them. Even the ones he knew that were not going to be thankful, they received the healing from the Lord. Can I tell you this? Jesus will save anyone who will come to him. If you will come to him, he said, I will in no wise cast out. If you come to him by faith and repentance, it matters not who you are, from the most wicked to the most self-righteous, from the poorest to the richest, no matter where you come from or, or what your family name is, Jesus says, come and I will accept you. That, my friend, tells me he's not a respecter of person. It doesn't matter what your skin tone is, red, yellow, black, and white. Uh, God loves you today. I'll tell you this, it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is, by the way. I almost feel like we're going to start preaching on that a whole lot more uh, to let people know Jesus loves you. He loves you. Okay? I'm not spitting out condemnation today. I'm not spitting out judgment upon you today. If, you got a, if your sexual orientation is different than mine, I want you to know that Jesus died for you just as he did for me. Okay? He's not a respecter of person. How many times have we fell in the trap of thinking, well, you know, hey, he loves me for sure. You know, I do this, this, this. I mean, look at me. Oh, I got a, man, I got a nice, I got a United States uh, patriotic tie on me. God loves me. But he loves everybody. And he doesn't love you any more than he does everybody else. Because he's not a respecter of person. Let me give you the next one. I'm trying to move through these quickly. If Jesus had chosen not to heal, if he had chosen not to heal. Now, he didn't have to heal these guys, by the way. He had to. And if he'd chosen not to, it wouldn't have meant that he's not merciful. Think of this. If we were going to base the mercy of God upon whether or not he healed uh, these lepers, I want you to think about all the people that never got healed from Jesus. The only thing we read about is what we're told as the ones that did get healed. There were many that Jesus passed by that did not get healed. His mercy is not based upon whether or not he gives a healing. Okay, you understand that? His mercy comes in many different ways. 
we focus on one avenue, just like blessings. I mean, for, for, we think blessings are monetary. Lord in mercy. God's blessings, God's mercy, they all come from different avenues in our life. It's of his mercies. I read over in the Old Testament, it's of his mercies that we're not consumed. Think about that. God is merciful unto you. God had a special purpose for everything that he did. And even if it meant there was no healing gave, it didn't mean that he was not merciful. Let me give you another one, okay? Let me move right along. You with me? Are you with me? Okay. It's not 12 o'clock yet, so we're good. Uh, <laughs> let me give you that. Oh, this, this hits. Boy, this hits. Oftentimes, I'm no better than the nine who didn't return. Look at yourself today. I'm not saying you don't have problems. I'm not saying everything's a bed of roses for you. I know you got issues. I do too. But the blessings of God that I live with every day. And yet so many times, I'm just like that nine that didn't return. That, that, that didn't really look at what God has done for me. That, that didn't really examine and, and, and see all the things that God has been merciful and gracious and good. And, and, and every day that I should bow my head and, and, and get on my face and, and thank God for all he's done in my life. But I'm no better than the nine oftentimes. Because of what God has done. I just go about my own routine and, and I do my own thing. And if be, before I go to bed, I say, well, thank you, Lord. Are we guilty of being like the nine? Boy, God's been good to us, hasn't he? Yet we don't find time to come back and thank him and praise him. I fail to recognize many times the mercy of God in my life. I pray that I'll do better. As I read further and as I see more, let me say this. It often takes a step of obedience before we see God's mercy. And I know that kind of intertwines with something we said previously. But think about this. The lepers, when Jesus told them what to do, the lepers had to take a step forward, showing themselves to the priests before they were healed. I realize that many people try to obey the commands of the Lord, and yet they try to do it out of order. What do you mean, preacher? Obeying God's commands does not necessarily mean that you're saved. There's, there's a healing that comes. There's a blessing that comes. Uh, there's mercy that comes. But I'll tell you, uh, there's too many people, that, they, they want to think, well, if I do this, 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 then that's going to mean this, 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 this. And that's not always the case. We need to understand that we serve God out of obedience because we love you. Okay? Uh, and in that obedience, that step of showing our, our love toward him. Remember what Jesus said? We read it this morning in John chapter 15. Remember what he, what he told them? Yeah, you're my friends if you obey that which I've commanded you to do. Okay? Uh, 
Listen, there's nothing wrong with doing right, by the way. There's, there's nothing wrong. The only time it comes wrong is when you expect that there's going to be some kind of special attention to God because you did what you were supposed to do anyway. You know, are we not in a culture like that today? I mean, you know, <laughs> the things that, uh, boy, it, it's sad that the expectation bar has been lowered. You know, used to you'd go somewhere and you know, let's say you went out to eat somewhere, you kind of have high expectations. You know, and if somebody did outstanding, that was like very noticeable. Now you go somewhere and you just want somebody to kind of be substandard. <laughs> the situation has changed. But we need to recognize, listen, they, they had to take that step. Okay, he said, go show yourself to the priest. You do that, everything will be okay. We say, God, what do you want me to do? God says, do this. Oh, but yeah, God, I've already done I, I, See, we try to tell God what we've already done, and God says, I want you to do this. See? And we start marginalizing everything. We, say, we got all this stuff. And God says, do this. Do this. Oh, but God, I did. Do this. You'll never, ever, ever feel that peace in your life until you follow that command of obedience that God has for you. I think we can do it. I think we can finish this today. I think we can. Let me give you, I got two more. Hang on with me. All right, ready? What about this? What about this? <clears throat> Let me show you something here. Read through there and look with me in verse 15. Now, out of all these lepers, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And verse 16. And fell down on his face at his feet. Talking about the feet of Jesus. Giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. I thought Samaritan and Jews were not supposed to have any dealings with each other. Didn't matter, did it? Racial barrier didn't matter anymore. This guy had been healed. Let me say this. Though this one leper was by himself. He was not ashamed or afraid to publicly with a loud voice Praise and glorify God. Whew. It's easy to do something when you're a crowd. It's easy when you got a group together. But this guy's by himself. He didn't need the other nine. Uh, he knew what God had done for him. And it was enough for him to fall on his face and praise Jesus and thank Jesus publicly with a loud voice glorifying God. How this puts us to shame. How many times are we willing to praise God publicly? How many times are we willing to shout and glorify God with a loud voice for all that he's done for us? How many times are we afraid to proclaim who Jesus is to other people? You know what you ought to do? You ought to look back at what God did for you. Look back at where you were and look at where you are now. And how the good hand of God was upon your life. And the good grace of God met you where you were. You didn't have to clean up to come to him. But he took you just as you were in your sinful condition. But God committed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm so glad that he loved me just like I was. And he loved me, the person I was, before I got saved. And yet he looked down through eternity and he saw the kind of sorry Christian I'd be after I got saved. And he loved me anyway. And he said, come to me, come to me, come to me because I love you and I want to save you. That's enough for all of us today to praise and glorify God for a hundred million years to come.
Let me say this as we wrap this up. When's the last time you just simply thank God for saving your sin-sick soul? What's the greatest miracle that's ever happened in your life? I can tell you, for me, it wasn't that I had blinded eyes that needed to be opened. It wasn't that I had deaf ears that needed to be unclocked. It wasn't that I was crippled or lame and needed to be healed to walk again. It wasn't that. For me, the greatest miracle that ever happened in my life, are you listening to me? was on March 25th, 1983. When I come under old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction, are you listening to me today? When I recognized that I was a sinner on my way to hell. And the only hope I had was coming to Jesus Christ in faith and repentance. To have my sins forgiven and the blood of Jesus to cover my sin and write my name in the Lamb's book of life. March 25th, 1983. He reached down and saved an eight-year-old boy. And he gave me the greatest of all miracles when he saved my soul that night. What about you? Has he saved you? Are you any better than the, than the nine? Or will you be like that one? And say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you did for me. And some of you in your life, yes, God saved you. And yes, he changed your life. And yes, he forgave you. And he washed away your sin. When's the last time you thanked him for where you are today? When you look back in the ditch that you were in. When you were finding yourself laid out on the street corners and you were wasted away in drugs and alcohol and yet God loved you and saved your soul. When's the last time you came down and said, God, thank you for what you've done for me? Sometimes we're no better than the other night. And we go about our daily routine. And yet God, who is so merciful, and he forgives us and he loves us. I want to challenge all of us today. Don't neglect his mercy in your life. If he's been good to you, let him know. Praise him today. You're not the only one. You may feel like the only one, but you're not. And if you're not saved today, I challenge you, when we give this verse of invitation, if you'll come forward, I'll be glad to take a Bible, as I've done many times. And show you how you can know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Let's bow our heads, if you would, as we prepare for a verse of invitation. Please, would you bow your heads with me? I don't want to embarrass anybody. Maybe you're here today. You say, preacher, I'm no better than the nine. God's been good to me. He's been merciful to me. But I don't even know the last time that I've thanked him and praised him for all he's done in my life. Now, listen, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm just asking you a question. Ask yourself, when's the last time you gave him praise and glory? For what he's done. Maybe you're here today. And if you'll be honest with me. I'll pray with you. And you say preacher. 
I need the Lord. I've never been saved. I need God's mercy and grace in my life. I need to be forgiven of my sin. Preacher, would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? Would you allow me to pray for you today? Slip your hand up real quickly. I'll pray for you. Preacher, pray for me. God bless you. Anybody else? Right now, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I want you to understand that. If you're here today, I'm not going to drag this out. If you have a need in your heart, you know what it is, and God knows what it is. Would you get that taken care of today? Father in heaven, Lord, the best I know how, and only by your mercy and grace, was I able to deliver this message today. I pray for every soul here. Whatever the need might be, especially the one nearest hell, God, that they will come to you in faith and repentance. Lord, there's one that has not been thankful for what you've done in their life. May they see their need to give you praise and glory. If there's other needs represented, God, meet those. Thank you for your word that's forever settled in heaven. Bless this time for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand on our feet.